the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep are Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails. Vanessa Russell. Thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with a awesome woman that is uh, really leading uh, a, a variety of things in the community around education, around social justice, and we're going to hear more from her. But before we do, I am uh, so excited to introduce my partner in justice, Miss Bonita Hopkins. Hello, hello, everyone. We're excited today. Yes. So uh, we have with us Dr. Jennifer. Pigsa, who's the director of Catholic Institute for LaSallean Social Action, which is a center for service learning and community engagement at St. Mary's College of California. Welcome, Dr. Yeah. Jennifer Pigsa, who we are going to refer to because she's given us the right to call her <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> We're going to call you Jennifer today, right? That's yes, okay. everyone can call me Jennifer okay. anytime. It's awesome. great. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, we're so, so grateful. So just looking a little bit about your experience, and I know that you, 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 uh, met with Benita, uh, a, a week or so ago. Uh, yeah, you guys were at a conference. Earlier in the month. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this was a conference to teach about social justice in the community, right? It was really more about leadership. It was put on by the Walnut Creek Chamber of Commerce, I think. Mm-hmm. And they were all a group of leaders who were in a cohort together, very similar to what I have completed. But ah, okay. theirs, I want to say it's six months. And I think it was coming to a culmination. And so they brought in um, others who were in the community doing work. And Jennifer's uh, let us off. Man, it was so hard to come. Ap- I had to come after Jennifer. <laughs> I really did set not appreciate high, huh? that. Yeah, she set the bar really high. Speaking on social justice. Oh, very good. And it was powerful. It was good. Yeah. So the the learners in that day were looking at social justice as a theme as it connects mm-hmm. to their work. And most of the people in that crowd were from business and for-profit enterprise. There were nice. a few nonprofit mm-hmm. um, professionals, but most folks thinking about social justice maybe in a new and different way on the right. day. So it was really fun, right. fun nice. to be there. Oh so I represented gosh. human trafficking. They yeah. had someone on homelessness. They had someone with the arts from um, CalPERFs. And so it was oh, really good. Calpers. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Okay. And so you, you've you been really 
um, doing some transformational things in the way of of getting leaders to think differently and to to, to not just leaders that are already working in this space, but leaders that are just living their day to day lives in corporate America, right? And, and I see here that you you are a faculty at St. Mary's uh, graduate program, and you're the founding chair of the master's degree in leadership for social justice. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Sure. There was um, an interest at St. Mary's and among some of the the students coming through to really have a way to focus their leadership education and thinking about change work and thinking about social justice. Um, So most of the folks in that concentration do work in the nonprofit sector, and some of them actually work in a business setting, and they want to think about their work from the perspective of power, from the perspective of how they work the do that they do impacts those at the margins, mm-hmm. um, how they operate their business that provides voice to their employees or to their um, their customers or their clients, mm-hmm. um, and they really so the the concentration was really designed to create a strong um, a strong focus um, in change making and looking at power looking at um, how people might then create in their master's thesis and their research work um, projects that would really allow them to go deeply into an issue of justice that they care about. That's great. So I have a question about that. So, um, and I know, Benita, you kind of wanted to lay the groundwork on what, you know, what Jennifer's perspective is on on social justice in general. Um, and and maybe we can, maybe we can start with that. Is there mm-hmm. anything you want to add? No, just that question. Okay. You know, what would you define, define that? Yeah. social justice to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just in a committee yesterday mm-hmm. on, at St. Mary's at the campus where um, we asked this question. Mm-hmm. And so this is a question that is giant that we could take a lot of time to wrap our arms around. And what I was really fortunate to be part of almost 10 years ago at St. Mary's was a, a committee of faculty and staff coming together to say, what does social justice mean for us in this context? And so I think context really matters yes. in some ways when we put the language of social justice um, out there, you know, for consideration, um, for buy-in, for mm-hmm. questioning. Mm. For conflict, even so, um, so what we came down to were a couple statements um, that talked about social justice as both a, a set of principles as well as process that guide human behavior to one another and their natural world. Um, that social justice is recognizing that society is characterized by inequalities in resource and influence, mm. um, and that we have power to collectively transform society. Can you repeat that? Society is characterized by inequalities in resources and influence. Inequalities, resource, I'm writing this down, resources and influence. Mm -hmm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And that collectively and that collectively and individually, we can and we will transform that. Okay. That's right. Situation. So let Um, me give you, um, so earlier this week. I had the awesome opportunity of joining Locking Arms with Men Creating Peace, which is a nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, that was birthed out, actually out of uh, Men Man Aware or Man Awake. I can't remember the name, but they're out of Marin, and they um, are all about uh, Man Alive. That's the name of it. And they're all about um, helping a man get back to his heart, mm-hmm. waking up the heart, as part of healing from uh, healing themselves and hopefully overcoming becoming uh, overcoming 
uh, being a batterer mm-hmm. as part of the domestic violence chain. Also uh, gr- closely attached to that is sexual assault and human trafficking. And so what we did was we brought a survivor to a, a restorative justice event where there was a group of men that had perpetrated battery, sexual assault, or human trafficking present. And they got to hear the survivor tell her story. Mm. And the purpose of that was to reacquaint the man with his heart mm. and find out where he helped him navigate where he lost his heart mm. along the way. It was a very powerful, powerful. experience. It's really profound it mm-hmm. was, for, both, for all parties. Mm-hmm. It was tremendous. And I, I go to things all the time. Um, and and there's times where I'm like exhilarated because I'm with my sisters and we're like free and we're creative and it's really fun. But this for me was like it was spiritual. Mm-hmm. It was it was a connection um, that was God ordained and that was uh, literally like loosing chains mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. uh, on 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 everyone's part, I believe. And um, and I, I think it's a platform that um, will help us uh, as we pursue, like you said, we will get there as mm-hmm. we as we collectively mm-hmm. move in this direction. And so um, one of the things that is, you know, and, and this is so, this topic, I'm so glad you're here because this uh, I, I the direction that I feel that love never fails is headed in is in this place where we uh, we, we we've never been an organization that's been super angry and um, and like villainizing mm-hmm. different groups. We've never been that kind. That's not our DNA. Uh, we have been a little edgy uh, in certain areas to push the envelope, mostly against process mm-hmm. and principles that are inhibiting our ability to uh, help and support and 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 uh, restore people. And protect people. Those, it's not really against a people group as much as it is against the bureaucracy that gets us, uh, keeps us from doing what mm-hmm. we've been called to do. And so I'm very curious about um, just, you know, as, and we're going to go to the next segment, but I, I would love as we go, as we, as we kind of take a break here, um, let's be thinking about what what you see from your vantage point as you speak to corporations, as you speak to leaders um, how does that map to these activities that I, like the one I just told mm-hmm, you about this mm-hmm. RJ uh, restorative justice session? Is there any correlation or there is there any mm-hmm. interest that leaders would have in that engagement? And what would that do or might that do for a business? We'll come right back. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Jennifer Pixa, Dr. Jennifer Pixa, that we get to call Jennifer. And um, (laughs) just for fun. Um, So we were were talking before the break about um, the... You know, the, the cross section of business and leadership. Um, and, and, and I know that most of your day job is really working with college students 
um, although you do work with graduate students that are oftentimes already in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're doing these these seminars and set workshops, if you will, for leaders that are already sort of um, sort of maybe mature in their careers. Uh, and and I guess where I was going in the last session is, you know, what is the cross section uh, between social justice and business um, and leadership? And why should anybody care? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I work as, as the listening audience knows, I work in corporate America and I try to convince people uh, that they should be concerned about human trafficking. And I find um, that the one of the most effective ways is to talk about their own children uh, and the and the risks to their own children. But there's so many other reasons why mm-hmm. we should care mm-hmm. that are not related to our own kids. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Jennifer? Yeah, I think that I guess, you know, I've ever since I was a young child have always had a concern about people beyond myself. I mean, that was how I was raised the faith community I was raised in taught me that. Um, and it's made sense to me for a long time. And so it, it is interesting to be in a conversation with someone um, who maybe hasn't thought about that. Why, why should I, why should I care about that? Or why should I, why should I care about the plight of folks on the margins? Um, mm. And what I really rely on in a conversation like that is to say, what, what might our entire community look like if more of us were whole and healthy people who were Mm -hmm. taken care of, not just in our basic needs, Mm -hmm. but had the opportunity to flourish as human beings and to really think about who we're called to be in the world and what role we're called to have in the world. And gosh, what would it look like if folks had that? Right. And that, um, and isn't that something that we might agree is is something that should be available to everyone, regardless yeah. of kind of their their stature or their different kind of ways in which they may be marginalized in society. Um, wouldn't it be better if all of us had the ability to do that, um, right. and that mm-hmm. wouldn't take away from um, the flourishing that that someone else has? Right. It's, it would just add. Like on. that meme it's, says, it's not like pie. Right. No, there's more than eight pieces. You know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Justice oh. is not like pie. It's right. not going to run out. Right. Um, right. And and so that's what I think about with folks. And and you know, and I think there are other logical arguments that can be made about well, why should everyone pay for public education if I don't have children or I'm retired? You know, there are logic arguments mm-hmm. that can be mm-hmm. made about why that's important. Just mm-hmm. to think about that as an example. But I, and I think those are, those will um, convince some folks, but I think the more important argument is more about our in, our internal sense of value Mm -hmm. and purpose. And you had mentioned, you know, uh, kind of spiritual work. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that that's the more profound shift that we can make with folks that, um, that might actually lead to action in a, in a different way than if we just try to convince folks with logic. But mm-hmm. I'm also really aware that folks are convinced to take action for different reasons and different motivations. Mm-hmm. And I might, you know, I'm willing to take whatever motivation someone might present. Right. Um, and say, okay, let's figure out, you know, let, I'm willing to help you sit and figure out what you might like mm-hmm. to do about that. Yeah. You know, uh, but ultimately, I think this work around leadership for social change, leadership for social justice is as much, um, you know, in the graduate program and with my undergraduate students, we talk about it being the inner work that enables us to do the outer work. Mm. 
That's good. Um, That's really you know, a sense of purpose, a sense of self, a sense of value, Mm -hmm. a sense of how we make choices between goods, Mm -hmm. two different things that Mm -hmm. both seem like great opportunities, great ideas. How do we choose between the goods in life when they're presented to us? Yeah. Um, You know, it's so, it's so, um, I don't know how much you know about this, but we Love Never Fails is involved in prevention education. Um, We are part of a collaborative called Protect, and uh, that's Prevention Organized to Educate Children on Trafficking. Mm. It's an acronym. And uh, we are in partnership with the uh, Three Strands Global and Frederick Douglass Family Initiative, and um, we have the support of the California Department of Education and the Office of the Attorney General. And and, uh, we are actually promoting, um, uh, sponsoring, uh, supporting a bill, Senate Bill 1227, um, which basically outlines it's it's before the health committee right now. And it outlines that um, it would be mandated that children in California will receive human trafficking prevention education in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're huge advocates of that. And what's interesting is it's like, okay, as long as it's age appropriate and you're not like shoving like some, some dogma down my kid's throat, most people are like, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. needs to happen. Um, and so, you know, that's the first head nod. But then there's the second head nod, which is paying for it, right? Mm-hmm. And when we start talking about paying for it, then people start carving away, well, maybe we don't need to include labor trafficking in mm-hmm. in this discussion. And and we are getting some pushback on the inclusion of labor trafficking in, in the bill wow. um, because there's some belief system that says that uh, the inclusion of labor trafficking um, – uh, is not like sex trafficking. Mm. And so, uh, and so we're, you know, we're, we're kind of agreeable to that in, in some ways because we believe that, uh, we're going to drag labor trafficking into mm-hmm. the conversation no matter what. So if all you want to mandate is sex trafficking, great. We'll come in there. We'll talk about sex and we'll <laughs> slap labor right on top mm-hmm. of it. We're mm-hmm. not going to charge extra. It's not like a Big Mac, right? Right. Where you're going to charge you're extra for cheese, it. you know? <laughs> Um, so, so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're determined to get the the information out there. Uh, That being said, these are the kinds of iterations and the kinds of ways that conversations are being held around the prevention of human trafficking Mm -hmm. to our children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the mother in me and the, uh, the person who's like all about the justice is just like, come on, let's just get this done. Mm-hmm. But uh, I get it. Everyone has their reason for wanting to get this done. And you've got to sit. T- you got I have to do the there, there to myself all the time. Okay, Tiger, sit down, mm-hmm. get back, sit down, Tiger. <laughs> and, and let people develop their reason why. Some people are interested in what we're doing because it's going to save money what, down the road from a chronic absenteeism standpoint because they're going to have more butts mm-hmm. and seats. Some people want to do it because of the aftercare costs, millions of dollars saved in aftercare. Some people want to do it because they're starting to see human trafficking happening in their community and it's going to impact their Mm -hmm. own children, you know. And so to your point, it's, um, you know, you've got to you've got to give space for people to say what their reason is Mm -hmm. that they want justice Mm -hmm. to be socially enacted. Mm-hmm. And also, I think giving people the time and the space to get where you are, 
yes. on this bill and on this belief that maybe they just started learning about yes. when you first introduced it and when you first started talking to representatives and you first started talking to res- you know, residents and everyday folks who were trying to influence the process that, you know, this is an issue that you and Benita have been working on for a long time. Yes. And it might be something that, you know, at my core, I'm really resonant with, but I haven't been working on it for years. I haven't mm-hmm. been thinking about it for years. So I might need a little more time to get where you are. Right. And so I so think good. when we partner with people with, in change, we have to think about meeting folks where they are and accompanying them in their right. own process. Right. Yes. So I'm going to send you $50 for my counseling session today. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're giving me some real good therapy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so grateful for our partnership with Three Strands Global and Frederick Douglass Family Initiative because Ashley is like the great peacekeeper. And I'm like very like when I know something needs to be done, I'm like a type all mm-hmm. the way. And she's like, come on, come back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. give people some space to think about it. And I'm like, yes. Think about it like for five minutes and then we're going to go mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, you know, that sense of urgency uh, you know, when because you're dealing with people involved. are dying. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been getting calls from so many parents whose children is are, are just gone. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I we have houses where we're where we're providing um, restorations to women and children and to see the damage mm. that has been done to these people. And I, you know, I, 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 it's like, I need it yesterday. I need it mm-hmm. now. I need it now. And so, uh, I definitely, um, I appreciate you slowing me down and I need that. I need that. But okay. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about other kinds of social justice, uh, topics and themes mm-hmm. that are going on in our community. Uh, you know, I want to talk about mass incarceration. I want to talk about, um, what's going on with, uh, immigration, uh, a variety of different topics that are kind of, you know, highly charged, but I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's irrelevant to mm-hmm. some of the things that your students are probably bringing up. So we'll be right back. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Jennifer Pixa, and we're talking about social justice and education and um, some of the great work that you're doing with your students um, and which include college students as you know, graduate students and also some workshop um, communication with leaders in the community and just starting off. Right. So uh, I'm, I pulled up an article. It says California Democrats want a sanctuary state for immigrants here illegally, but those who are felons should be sent packing. So there's this controversy going mm-hmm. on, as we know, about um, the status of immigrants in our in our. And I, I hate that word, by the way, but uh, just labels. I have a real mm-hmm. hard time with labels. But anyway, uh, the status of individuals who are here, uh, T visa, you know, um, without green cards, without permanent residency, um, whether they should be allowed to stay or to be forced to mm-hmm. leave, mm-hmm. and um, and so. You know, without going into your politics or my politics too much, just kind of talking about that as it relates to social justice and some of the themes that I'm sure are coming up. Or is this being talked about in your in your classroom? Oh, sure. I mean, it's definitely a conversation on campus. Yeah. Um, regarding 
the status of some of our students who are undocumented. Yeah. Every college, university, and California, for sure, probably in yeah. this country, yeah. you know, has undocumented students. Um, we have fam- students whose family members are undocumented mm-hmm. as well. And so, yeah, we've had a conversation on campus about what does it mean to support our students educationally as they deal with and respond to the strain, the stress, the anxiety, the uncertainty that this situation brings, yeah. um, as well as, you know, are there practical things that we might offer them or places we can refer them for legal assistance, things like that. Um, and then at a, at a more value level, kind of saying to ourselves, what, is, what does community mean? Mm. What does it mean to be, um, to welcome the stranger? Yeah. Um, and in the, in our tradition at St. Mary's as a Catholic institution, you know, welcoming the stranger has, uh, has a, a resonance, you mm-hmm. know, in, in mm-hmm. the new Testament, yeah. uh, and other in the old Testament as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so what does it mean to welcome the stranger? Mm. Who is the stranger? Um, what are our responsibilities to that person yeah. or those groups of people? So those are definitely questions that, that we're consciously talking about mm. um, and that even on a, on a campus, um, much like any workplace or any set of people, we're not of all one mind. Right. right. You know? Yeah. And that's the, that's the waiting for other people to catch up piece, right? Going back to the last segment, it's the waiting for people to understand the issues fully. And then it's the, sometimes you just don't agree. Sometimes there's different mm-hmm. perspectives and, um, and, and so, you know, I like to go through this exercise, like, what can we agree on? Mm-hmm. Where, where can we agree? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and, and as it relates to human trafficking, um, one of the things that I have seen with the, uh, insertion of this, this thought process that says strangers are less than, or strangers have to go or whatever, that talk track is actually being utilized as a manipulative tactic mm-hmm. to enslave people. And so that's something we need to be aware of, because when we start to place less value on a person based on papers or based on registrations, um, people are using that to say, now I've got you. Sure. I mean, you're undocumented. Mm -hmm. I will get you deported unless you do X, Y and Z for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And folks are more and more vulnerable. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I think of my own experience of um or kind of insights into into sex trafficking are related to a, a friend who's had a, a foster child mm. who's, you know, a foster child's in a very vulnerable situation, much like someone without um, proper documentation to be in the U S right. And, mm-hmm. and often considered a group of, of young people that folks are not paying attention to. Right. No one will miss them. Right. 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 No one will notice. No one will fight back. Um, and that whole concept of stranger, they're a stranger in another mm-hmm. family's home. They're not known to that home. Mm-hmm. They're not they're they're not documented as being mapped to that home. And yet, uh, you know, are they part of that 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 home unit mm-hmm. that they're in? Should they be embraced and treated in a certain way? Um, you know, should they be a sub treated in a substandard way uh, as compared to the other children in the home? Mm-hmm. These are all things that um, can create these vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and in my in in the situation that I know, the uh, family was very, very well embracing. Yeah. You know, um, both and and was very active mm-hmm. in trying to find this mm-hmm. young person when she was missing for a little while. Yeah, and really, it's because of the privilege of of that network of people that that. Uh, 
that she was able to be found, but other families and other children don't Don't have that level of privilege, that level of access, that level of ability to mobilize, um, and to have people pay attention, you know? Um, and I think that's probably the same when you think about the issue of, of, of undocumented immigrants and the fear and the, the risk of exploitation that they're feeling, you know, who's, who's going to, who, you know, the, the exploiter may say, who will notice, who will miss you? Who will, um, who's going to stand up for you right? Mm-hmm. Um, and take advantage, as you said, of, of someone's vulnerability. And, uh, yeah. And for us, I think then the, the challenge is to, to keep for the rest of us to keep our eyes open. Yes. Yeah. Right. To, uh, and not back down. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, you know, uh, one thing I've learned, well, that's easy for me, but I think pushing people, empowering those mm-hmm. around you to say, mm-hmm. If something doesn't seem right, you can keep pushing on it because if you won't, who will? Mm-hmm. You know, if you won't push it, the envelope, who will? I just this week got a, um, a Facebook post from a friend who thanked me for um, ha- taking the stance, you know, way back when, when we were colleagues together teaching at a school and I started educating students, you know, around the Bay and so as well, educating my colleagues. And she was one who was really, really, mm, but now she sees, mm-hmm. you know, she saw um, an, an article, I think, about uh, trafficking of a student in a school or something like that. And, you know, she was like, thank you, you know, for making me aware that this is a prevalent issue mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when I think about the risks, you know, I mean, being one of the only minority women in my workplace talking about human trafficking mm-hmm. there. I was so scared to do it because it, it is, you know, it's in my, my grandmother was an exploited woman and my grandfather was a buyer. And, um, and then, you know, abuse just, just kind of made its way mm-hmm. through our, our whole family line. So it's very prevalent to me. And for me to be advocating about this issue, I'm kind of outing myself mm-hmm. in some ways in that environment where there aren't a lot of people who look like me. So it's not popular. Mm. It's like, you know what? You need to act like you came from a country club somewhere and you've got two parents at home and they've been married for 40 years. And you're, you know, you need to have that persona to be embraced by these people that you work with. Mm -hmm. And I dealt with that for many, many years, but then I decided, you know what? No more Mm -hmm. because I didn't get to this position of privilege to not use my privilege for the people that need it so much. And, um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's just really exciting that you are providing Jennifer a platform for more of this to continue for mm-hmm. more Benitas to come forward for more Vanessa's to come forward mm-hmm. and to really uh, wake up the community. So mm-hmm. are you, <clears throat> so, so some of these topics of, about immigration are obviously themes that are happening on college campus. Do you have a structured way of talking about it in your classroom? That's a great question. Um, one of the, I would say one of the things that, that I've done in a classroom is um, to create a kind of a false debate. So hmm. to take a topic that's very controversial and divide the room and, and create a, you know, a yes camp and a no mm-hmm. camp, you know, a that's pro good. and a con around something and really have folks, um, they have to embrace all of the arguments that would suit their side. And, and play them off with one another. Um, 
The great thing about that is it forces, forces us to voice opinions that we may not have thought about right. to really kind of delve into the complexities of one position or another. And then um, alone say them out loud. Yeah. And then you, you know? have to say them out loud yes. and you have to really try to convince the other party. Mm-hmm. The, the part that's a limitation of this exercise is that most of these arguments or most of these issues of social justice, they're not just two-sided. Right. Like these things are so much more complex. So, so once we kind of do a pit it onto two sides of an argument, then we pull it back in the, in the kind of reflection and synthesis part of a conversation and say, okay, but this isn't how life works. Right. Things are not yes, no, black, white, right. up, down. Right. Um, these are complex things. So let's tease now apart the complexity of such an issue and see where that leads us in yes. understanding. And let's unearth some of the under, under um, the foundational values that may be uh, leading us to have certain opinions about issues um, or certain philosophical stances about what's right and good and just Great. Um, and how that helps us get to our own landing spot yes. about controversial issues and topics. That's good. So as you think about that during the break, um, we'll come back and we're going to talk about another sort of uh, uh, topic that's um, coming up quite a bit and uh, as it relates to social justice. And so we'll come right back. And uh, thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Jennifer Pixa, and we're learning about social justice and talking about the ways one progresses towards uh, a perspective. Uh, about social justice and what they believe social justice is. And and then, of course, the, the fact that there are def- many different versions of what justice is. Uh, and um, and so I wanted to kind of splinter off into another sort of train of thought around um, uh, mass incarceration. And, um, and, and I want to kind of mash that up with uh, labor trafficking. Um, and there, I believe there's a direct correlation between mass incarceration, some historical slavery themes, and um, and uh, labor trafficking. And um, where I'm going with that is I recently learned, I didn't know this, that Victoria's Secret and also JCPenney's actually use inmates to create many of their clothing. And um, at first pass, remember, and we talked about the collecting your information mm. and forming your, your, your opinions. Uh, at first pass, you think, well, I, th- I thought, well, that's not such a bad thing. You know, people have done something wrong. They're, they're, they've committed a crime and we're having to pay for them to be housed somewhere. And so these companies maybe are offsetting the costs of their housing by saying, well, can I get some free labor? So, you know, well, that might be okay. Maybe. Um, you know, depending on how it's being done and, you know, there's some specific devils in the detail probably mm-hmm. there. But as I began to think about those who are incarcerated, got me thinking, looked at Business Insider, an article that was written, and it showed that um, African-American males in particular are incarcerated at 3x the rate of their Hispanic and white counterparts. And I started to ask myself, hmm, okay. And I'm looking at the, you know, the population of of, of incarcerated males throughout the country. Quite a deep, uh, you know, large um, population in California, 
of um, predominantly African-American males incarcerated here. And as we know now, and, and it's amazing, you know, a lot of people don't know that there's been this privatization of the mm-hmm. prison system. Uh, and so here you have comp- people, corporations who are actually being paid a per bed fee for mm-hmm. someone sleeping in that bed. And then you have a system that is set up to incarcerate an African-American male at 3x the rate of their male counterparts. And those males are working for free, making clothing for companies like Victoria's Secret and JCPenney. Okay, now I think I've got a labor trafficking scenario Mm -hmm. that's been set up here. Now, am I saying that everybody who's been incarcerated is innocent? No. Am I saying that, you know, you have to ask yourself a question. This is just my opinion, and I'd love to get your take, Jennifer. You have to ask yourself, and and Benita, please chime in. Uh, You have to ask yourself a question. Are the African-American males committing three times the rate of crimes? So is there something in their DNA that's making them commit three times the rate of crimes? Or maybe they're being watched three times the, you know, at 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 three times mm-hmm. the rate mm-hmm. of others, mm-hmm. or maybe they're accused at three times the rate, or maybe they don't get off as, as often, you know, as the other, their other male counterpart. But why is there this, this, this difference between mm-hmm. the different groups of people? And then is that justification to then use them to make money off of them? When I was, you know, and those are all excellent questions, Right. And um, or, or the other one I might add is or others could be um, are certain laws set up that um, seem to disproportionately affect the African-American community, mm-hmm. um, like drug laws, for, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if even if the, the folks who are imprisoned are, are guilty, maybe they are in prison for their actions. Does that give us the right to exploit their situation? Right. Um, so even if they're guilty, okay, well, but does that mean that they need to live in an undignified way, you know, right. without human dignity? Or does that mean that their their, their labor can't be valued? Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that they're now just a commodity um, that is then utilized either for the prison industrial complex's benefit or for other types of corporations' benefit? Um, and then the other thing that strikes me about this uh scenario that you've put out, Vanessa, is that um, often when folks are, are released from prison after serving their time, their their ability to vote is has mm-hmm. been stripped mm-hmm. depending on their crime, right? So um, so then you've got, you know, three times as many African American men in prison than their than their non black peers, you know, and then many of those folks come out, they can't vote. So mm-hmm. now they've lost the ability to impact the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've created a scenario and this is, you know, my opinion, we've created a scenario where folks then would have a hard time caring. Why? Well, because given up. I can't, yeah. mm-hmm. I can't, you know, one of the, the core values of our democracy is the, the is the ability to vote. To vote. Yeah. And they're not a part of the society. And then they don't we, have a voice. You know, I got kicked the whole way to the curb on that. Yeah. So right. w- what's left for me, right. um, it's really tough to come back for that, from that kind of scenario. Um, a scenario that's, um, again, even if you did commit a crime, yeah. you has, can't has stripped difference. you from dignity for a long, right. much further than much your, further than your sentence. Yeah, your right? sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then you come out 
not only have you come out without the ability to vote, uh, but you also come out without skills, mm-hmm. life skills, without uh, without uh, you, you may not have learned how to cope with the traumas that you had endured that caused you to, you know, do the crime, commit the crime in the first place. Um, you come out with uh, older, maybe mm-hmm. 10, 15 years older. Uh, you're, you don't have any technical skills. You don't have, you know, workforce development mm-hmm. skills. And there's a lot of programs that are being funded now, reentry programs that are being funded. But what's interesting about those programs is um, um, some of them are, you know, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of things where it's like I'm giving you an opportunity to get back to work. I'm going to mm-hmm. show you how to get a resume together, an interview. But – when I go and interview, I have to say I have a felony or misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to get that job mm-hmm. as one? So it's back to the system. Yeah. The only mm-hmm. thing that I'm going to be able to get is a job that probably doesn't pay me what I need to be able mm-hmm. to provide for me and my family. So guess what my alternative is? And why does, why does uh, you know, yeah, I always try to come back, to, you know, come back to our, our mission about human trafficking. And uh, there is a direct correlation between the fact that the ones that are being arrested most frequently for being exploiters are African-American males between the ages of 18 and 24. Well, we got to take a look at this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if we don't, if we're, you know, we can't just villainize a population of men and not look at the whole thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We got to look at the whole thing. And I think, you know, one of the things that this conversation is pointing out is as a practice that we have with our students, whether they're undergraduate students or graduate students to really peel back the complexity of an issue and then to to kind of in this sense you know we just peeled back all these complexities around mm-hmm. um mass incarceration um prison industrial complex and how it dis- disproportionately affects black men so it, let's peel all this back and let's do this so we do this with our students um and then the challenge is to not find allow ourselves to remain mired in this complexity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the challenge is to figure out where is my responsibility to act in relation to all this stuff that we've just unveiled mm-hmm. and um, how do we not just land in despair? Right. Yeah. And, and frozen. Yeah. Where's the hope? Right. Yeah. How do we find hope? You know, maybe we just spent three weeks in, in a class. I'm thinking of a sociology colleague, you know, taking apart all of these issues. Mm-hmm. How do we not leave our students depressed and right. inability to, within a, without an ability to act traumatized um, yeah. and kind of traumatized by this new reality? You know, we open their eyes. That mm-hmm. is the first step of the educational process. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, what do we we need to figure out ways to accompany students as they figure out what comes next. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, yeah, we experience that quite a bit, especially yeah. in corporate, uh, in the, when you're speaking with corporate leaders and you start telling them what's the human trafficking is happening. And it's not in like another country. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah. no, and then yeah. no, no, no. And then <laughs> yeah. the men they like start pacing and they're like, no, you know, they're, they're not, they're not having it. And the women start crying and you're like, okay, where do we go from here? So I've come to the place now where like I just give little nuggets and then I know that I got to stop because it's too much mm-hmm. the first and second and third time. But but people come, like you said, you got you to gotta let people catch up, right? Mm-hmm. And they will get there. Mm-hmm. But uh, these are great questions uh, that you're asking your students. So, yay. So we're going to come right back um, and we're going to talk a little bit more. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. 
Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Jennifer Pigsa, and we're talking about social justice. Um, just kind of picking up from the last segment, I just thought this was a headliner that um, was from a couple years back, but it says private prisons suing states for millions if they don't stay. And so just I want to just let the listening audience go ahead and Google that. Check it out. Uh, we're not making this stuff up. There are contractual agreements between prisons and states uh, to basically hotel, uh, you know, for a fee uh, prisoners. And that, I think, creates a very... Um, uh, unnatural uh, and anti-justice uh, uh, kind of scenario. A, a, uh, it lends itself to some labor trafficking and some exploitation, and so, um, and so uh, I think you know I'm, I just want to compel you as a listening audience to take a look for yourself, and and even more, Benita, you had an idea. Yeah, you know, we have said many times on this show about uh, going to that Harvard study and taking that implicit bias test. And um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Mike McBride mentioned um, uh, was our guest. And one I've heard him speak about developing new language, you know, not, you know, always just pulling that race card and card, calling it racism. But what about race anxiety? Because that's what it usually causes for people, as well as, um, you know, many we have unconscious bias as opposed to conscious prejudice. And um individual developing individual relationships versus structural systems and you can uh, actually take your own self-assessment at implicit.harvard.edu so go Mm -hmm. check that out Uh, thank you so much jennifer for being on the show we are so grateful to have you Um, we do have some events we're going to go through i understand that you've got an event that no one can come to so we won't mention (laughs) that but we are going to go ahead and let us know what's going on such a teaser we have a lot of events that folks can come to as well so (laughs) visit the saint mary's college website if you're interested in our events yay yes great yes we have the music of the spheres album project coming up on april 28th and that you can go to our website and get all of that information but it is an event that's honoring trafficking victims and uh, protect and Visayan foundation are the beneficiaries of that event. Also our fourth annual walkathon walk for freedom will be taking place on the 29th of April. And that will be from nine to 12 and it will be in Fremont this year. Stay tuned for place and all of that and prices to register and the eighth annual saffron strand homeless uh, workforce Development Conference will be coming up June 12th and 13th, and that will be in the city of Richmond. So stay tuned for more on that as well. And then we have outreach and we have uh, yes. a volunteer coordinator, our volunteer outreach. Volunteer orientation will be on April 20th at 7 o'clock at our Haywood office at 22580 Grand Street. And if you are interested in volunteering with Love Never Fails, come on out and join us. And then, of course, our outreach is always on the third Saturday of the month, but we're not sure because Easter is the following day yes. whether we're going to move it. Correct. So um, just stay tuned. Yes. We'll get, you know, block. If you can hold that, hold it for us. But if not, we understand because it is Easter. And you know, we will Easter let you Eve. know. 
Yeah, we'll let you know. And then, of course, you want to go to our Facebook page, Love Never Fails. Uh, go to our uh, Abolition Radio Facebook page. We have all of our previous recordings on podcasts. We want to invite you to be one of the million ways that we solve human trafficking by donating $1 a month. And you can do that by going to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash million. Um, it's $1 a month through PayPal. And if you don't like PayPal, I mean, you've heard that from some people, then you can go ahead on and um, donate via Razoo also on our website $12 a year um, we really do appreciate your support and your prayers and of course if you haven't heard it before we want to make sure that you know that you are loved thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio we trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org by liking and sharing our page on Facebook Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org. And click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. And this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. Eyes to see, give us strength to lead. You give us all we need, so give us courage to believe. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.